Hi and welcome back to SGTV. This is another episode as part of our Job Roots for Electricians mini-series. And today we're going to be talking to Paul Chaffers from Napitz. So, Paul, uh, it's good to have you back on the show, as ever. Hiya, Ben. Yeah, it's great to be back, mate. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be talking to you about what you do at Napit. So, um, I mean, it, basically, Napit is an accreditation uh, company. But, I mean, it's probably best if I hand it over to you to tell us a bit about Napit and then also sort of how you started out in the industry to get to where you are now. Okay, no problem. Yeah, NAPIT stands for the National Association of Professional Inspectors and Testers. So we're a certification body, um, but we're many things. We have many services and products and schemes we run. So we're a scheme provider for not only the competent person schemes, what a lot of you know installers would be familiar with, but we've also got a recently got a Bay Fire domestic scheme that we run, and we do all the building fabric measures, etc. And you know anybody that's into the past stuff for the the Green Deal type of uh, schemes that they're on. There's so many different schemes now and they all need to be managed and accredited by bodies such as us. So we're, uh, you know, approved to run those and we're uh, audited uh, just the same as the contractors are audited. We get audited by UCAS to see that we're compliant and we're making sure that, you know, all the boxes are ticked. And um, yeah, so that's mainly what NAPIT's all about. But it's been going now for probably almost 30 years really been assisting predominantly people that do test and inspection work for all those years and uh, you know quite a number of the staff including myself have come from that background so so where did you start out so did you go into an apprentice background work on the tools and how, how did it begin for you yeah i mean it's been a long long old journey now just over 30 years um when i was 14 actually i started an electric motor rewind shop i had a saturday job there that my dad lined up so i was used to sort of being around tools and things before i left school um i was lucky really it was one of in the days where there was a lot of big companies offering apprenticeships so i applied to uh, British Gas, Ford Motor Company, British Rail, and I was offered two apprenticeships, one with British Gas, one with British Rail, and I took the British Railways Board um, apprenticeship and haven't looked back really. It was, uh, you know, a full, fully indentured apprenticeship, but slightly different to a lot of what contractors do. Um, a lot of contractors have done the 236, the sitting guilds 236, which is sort of, uh, you know, in the booths wiring up you know, consume units and sockets and that. Obviously, being the railways, it was a sitting guilds 232 by memory, I think, which is uh, electrical and electronic engineering. So the start of my journey was in manufacturing, uh, repairing and building motors, motor alternators, motor generators. Um, but it was a great apprenticeship because you worked your whole way around all the different, uh, you know, places within the factories there and um, out on the out on the lines as well um, you know a, a steep learning curve at the age of 16 to be around you know such sort of dangers and things that are going on but you know great I wouldn't change it for the world and it's given me a really good grounding for what I went on to to sort of do throughout my career really. So where did you go from there then did you go self-employed domestic or what, what did you do? No um I went to work for a company called uh, Drake and Skull um, and we were doing planned and preventative maintenance and periodic inspections of um, buildings on MOD sites and I spent about two or three years at Aldermaston which is the Atomic Weapons Establishment and also in Burfield so 
started out very industrial, um, industrial and commercial. And then I went into ship repair and electrical contracting in Southampton, which is where I where I live. So, um, you know, we had, we had a family engineering business and uh, my dad and my brother uh, marine engineers and I looked after the electrical contracting side, all the shore side power generators, um, all that kind of stuff, temporary installations, but also carried out electrical contracting, um, installation works, dental practices, hotels, restaurant refurbs. So really didn't move into domestic till later on in my sort of career as a self-employed contractor. Um, I moved into done done numerous uh, sort of bespoke extensions and new build property. So I'm sort of quite, kind of fortunate to have worked in all sectors, really, which is really valuable to the work I do at NAPIT, because obviously we have members from all different walks of life. Yeah. So it sounds like you've had quite a varied uh, background of skills, rail, marine, everything. So if, if we need a boat or a train fixing or anything like that we know who to come to um, so what so what made you want to go into to work into NAPIT then because I'm, I'm assuming you've gone from quite a physical on the tools um sort of day-to-day -day job to to where you're at NAPIT you're obviously not sort of installing on your hands and knees in lofts and things like that so it's it's probably a, a bit of a change so what made you go for for that well it was a massive change really it, it just kind of progressed really i'll tell you the story behind it it wasn't it wasn't planned um i was a napit member myself um and for years and years and years i saw the same guy he used to come down and do my assessments um and then he moved on and and the assessor that came down actually came down from head office he came down from mansfield uh, he's he's one of my colleagues still today he's a inspections manager at napit and he come down to um do my assessment and we got we got chatting and he said he was down here doing a few weeks because there was a lot of members that needed to see him um and then he alluded to the fact that they were actually looking for a local inspector to look after the south coast um i guess i must have done all right in the assessment and the work that i showed him because at the end he, he he asked if i'd be interested so i said well put my name forward and we'll see where it goes um and a little time later i had the head of inspections um at the time phoned me up and invited me up for an interview um, and it sort of just snowballed from there really but it was quite a good time because it was 2008 and um, the recession had hit so the building works were really slowing up and I'd let a lot because I'd scaled down to doing smaller domestic jobs I'd let a lot of my larger clients go it just I'd started a family recently so it was just a bit nice to be able to say well I'll save the pressure of you know all of your contractors you got on here that they, they will tell you it's not just about the being on site you've got all the paperwork in the background the pricing and the invoicing and the filling out the test forms and that i was doing all of that so it was a nice welcome change but also it was a challenge because i think there's certain people in life that like to progress and i'm one of those people i like to have a challenge and uh you know, I'd sort of been there and done quite a quite a lot in my journey so far. It was always going to be a natural progression that I would end up heading something up or, you know, going into teaching or whatever. Uh -huh. And I went into assessment work with NAPID as well to start with in the early days anyway. So is it is it a diff is it a difficult thing to take on? Because I think most 
people in any in any industry would would admit that you never stop learning. <clears throat> but for being um, for working for somewhere like Napit, you're almost this centre of knowledge. You've got to you've got to know everything really. So is it ever a challenge to sort of keep up with that, or at the times where you you just don't know the right answer and there's people in your team you can rely on? Yeah, I mean, there's a massive there's a massive team there. Fortunately for myself, the journey that I went on, um, I sort of had the skills and the knowledge to do the, you know, when I when I started there as a field officer, doing electrical, and then we started assessing some other schemes. So the micro generation came along. I had to take additional supplementary training because we were looking at heat pumps and solar thermal unvented cylinders so stuff that wasn't my core knowledge you had to go ahead and upskill to be able to do that and then the more knowledgeable you get in in that you might get given some other tasks it's just been a, a a gentle progression but where I am now I'm sitting at committee level and I attend the committee uh, a lot of the committee meetings for NAPA I'm the deputy chairman of subcommittee B which looks after the thermal aspects of the wire and reg so fortunately for myself I do have most of the answers, but if I don't, I know where to go. Yeah, got a good team around you. That's it. So what, what is your job title, by the way, at NAPIT? Well, I'm the technical events manager at NAPIT, and that is, I'm the sort of first person to have that role, because how that came about is, I told you I started off as one of the inspectors. Um, after three or four years, there was a a change around and they were looking for regional managers to look after the inspectors in each area so I took up the role of uh, regional inspections manager for London in the southeast so I had about a team of 25 engineers working under me and I would shadow visit them you know support them mentor them uh, recruit take on new inspectors as and when deal with any complaints in the area all that sort of side of things so um, quite a, a challenging role but in about 2012, I attended my first ELEC show, so the, the national sort of contractor shows around the country. And they asked me if I would sit on the um, Ask the Expert IET's panel. So I represented NAPA on the panel. Um, there was a few others there from the other bodies. And it all went very well. And they asked me if I would attend the rest of the show. So from uh, 2012, I've attended every single ELEC show that's ever been put on up and down the country. And, and I do all the sort of public speaking for NAPIT. So um, the problem come is it was very difficult to manage the team in London when I'm all over the country doing yeah. events. So when we got busy enough in the, the role was created as a technical events manager. And basically I look after the technical intent of all of the seminars and webinars and things <clears> that we <throat> deliver at NAPIT. And I'm out on the road delivering most of them myself. I've got a couple of co-presenters that work with me. So um, it's, all, uh, it's all happy days. Yeah. I find that really fascinating, though, because, I mean, one of the things, and I keep reiterating this on all of these uh, Job Routes for Electricians mini-series, is there's so many routes you can take. And if you take a certain direction, it's not just a, it stops there. You don't just stop a domestic or you don't just stop an accreditation scheme. It can branch out within it, and like like the the job title you've just told me, that's almost been created based around your skills and your personality and what you've brought to the table. And that's just something I like to reiterate that the options are endless because things just pop up for you based on you. You know, there's so many possibilities. Yeah, I mean, especially for the sort of work we do, and you, you'll be you're doing it yourself. <clears throat> you know, 
we're sort of public facing, we're talking to people. It's not just about your knowledge, it's about your people skills and your, you know, and whether you're feeling comfortable in that environment. Fortunately for myself, one of my hobbies is I'm a musician. So most weekends I'm on stage with a microphone anyway. (laughs) So uh, it, it comes easy to me. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm gonna once once this episode finishes, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about that. <laughs> okay. But but anyway, um, so do you need additional qualifications then f- to do what you do? Because when you, you you've got to have your basic qualifications to be an electrician, and obviously there's all sort of add-ons and tickets you can get depending on what you're going into. But for you to be able to do what you do, were there additional qualifications? Well, I've already explained that when we started doing the micro generation um, schemes. Yeah. That, that I did have to up, you know, update and upskill for those. Um, and at NAPIT, all of our staff have to keep their CPD up together. So from time to time, we'd get pulled in to do an emergency lighting course or a fire alarm course or whatever. So there's a lot of additional bolt-ons that I have had. Probably none of them have been mandatory. It's just been the natural progression for doing the work we do. About five years ago, I off my own back decided to do the level four design course so most of our contractors are level three uh, you know they're they're to a level three standards um and i was when i joined i had the level three two three nine one testing inspection um level three mvq all those things in place the design course is a level four it's the next sort of step up and it's uh Lots of calculations, lots of you've got to do a, a lengthy project um, and it's quite a quite an onerous written exam and a lengthy project that you get up to two years to do. Mine was to design a petrol station, the forecourts, the restaurants, everything. You do every last bit of it, you specify all the equipment, all the design criteria and you have to list all your justification. So I've done that and it kind of sharpened the pencil, if I'm honest with you, you know, because it's years ago, you're sitting in college doing your calc. So to, to do that recently is sort of really helps me now when I'm doing articles or, you know, I'm one of NAPIT's authors and we're, we're writing the publications, being able to have, you know, be fresh knowledge on the ball sort of things been really useful. But is there a requ- requirement for extra qualifications? Depends what role you want at NAPIT, really. And what, what sort of roles would there be? And not necessarily just at NAPIT, because like you said, there are other, other governing bodies, accreditation schemes, but what sort of roles are there generally available for at somewhere like NAPIT? Well, there's there's from the inspections team, the guys that are going out and they're checking the, um, you know, the different schemes we've got. So if it's an electrical member, the guy has to be fully competent in electrical and have the experience to understand what he's looking at. If it's a plumbing scenario, ventilation, whatever, all of those schemes we cover, the the right assessors that get sent out to the job would have to, you know, be up to speed with all of that, which is generally most of our um, field officers anyway. But then we we've got a technical helpline department, so and so will all the other bodies, and those are guys that really know their way around the wiring regulations, um, building regulations, and understand how to you know, give good, solid, sound advice so people can keep themselves safe doing compliant work. Um, most bodies will have a standards department. Um, the standards department will be looking at internal standards through to, uh, you know, external standards that we have to meet. So quite often they're technical roles. We have guys looking at complaints um, from a technical point of view, investigating any issues with workmanship, 
um, things like that. So really and truthfully, it's fast. You can get, you know, you can start with a company such as Napet and then, you know, tailor it to what suits you best. If you've got, um, you know, good peers around you, they're, they're soon seek out what you're good at and put you in that, you know, in that position. Yeah. Would, um, so, 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 I mean, anyone of any age and experience, really, as long as they're the right attitude, could could be suitable for somewhere like NAPIT or, or, an, or an other accreditation scheme? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't want to discriminate against anybody, but you do need a certain level of experience. Yeah. So it's not something that you could come straight out of an apprenticeship and, and go and do it. You know, they're going to, these guys are, they're, they're turning up to assess contracts in firms. Yeah. So, so you need to know what you're enough, talking about. Yeah, they've got to have enough knowledge and experience. And the same with our tutors that are in the, in the classroom, you know, they're delivering a course. If somebody's paid money to go on a course, they want somebody with experience delivering it. So that's a bit of a drawback. Um, yeah. When you start to lose your hair and, you know, and slow down a bit, then it's a, it's a good time to, to come on well, board. I, di I, I didn't want to put it like that. I didn't want to say for people when they're, you know, starting to come over the hill a bit, but you, you said it for me. So that, that's on yeah. you, that one. <laughs> no, really, really and truthfully, 10, I'd say probably 10, 10 years experience would be a minimum. Um, certainly when I was recruiting field officers, I like to look for between 15 and 20 years experience, really, because, you know, they, they've they've been on numerous jobs and they, you know, they've built up the life skills. But like I said, a lot of it to do with is your people skills, because you have to deal when you when you go out to people's businesses or it might be their homes. You've got to be able to, you know, put put the member at ease, carry out the assessment, carry out the task, the visit all the time representing the company, you know, to the best way that you can. So it's not just about experience and qualification. It's just about get finding the all round sort of person. And, and NAPIT tends to attract um, very similar types of people. They're, they're, they're people that have been on their tools and they've done it. We've all done it. We've all run businesses so that when we we're out at the trade shows and we're talking to the members, we we know what we're talking about. We're able to help them in any way, whether it's a contractual problem, whether it's a technical problem, um, an insurance problem, whatever. We've got a good level of understanding of that of that person's business. And I think that's what a, a contractor will want out of you know a scheme like NAPIT is you, you're going to want people with experience, real industry experience, who know what they're talking about. If you if you're looking to them for advice, especially. Um, so, so how 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 do people get involved with working uh, for NAPIT? Are there do you advertise advertise jobs online, or is it more throughout your you know communication through people that kind of your connections? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, quite often we put out posts on social media or wherever that we're hiring, and there's a you know a place that they can uh, you know they can look up. I think we've got some career stuff on the on the NAPIT site. Um, sometimes a CV just come through to the customer services department and they forward it to the relevant manager. So, you know, if anybody's interested, come and have a chat. We're, we're at all the shows. Um, you know, the head office is in Mansfield, but we've got regional training centres all around the country. Someone can soon meet you and, you know, and have a chat and see if you can be of use. We're recruiting all the time because um, the membership is really strong now. We've got We've got a huge amount of members and obviously with that comes a lot more assessment, a lot more, um, 
you know, QA work. There's a lot more training. There's there's rules for technical people all the time. Yeah. What what do you what would you say you enjoy most about about your position at Napit? I think I like to get out um, and see people face to face, which has been incredibly hard. Yeah. You know what we've all been through, but um, if you can go and see somebody and you can meet with them and you can provide a solution for their problem, you know, quite often at the trade shows, I deal with the technical aspects, and that you know, a member will come over and he say, "I'm really struggling with A, B, and C," and if you can deliver him an answer, they're, they're over the moon. So they've got really good value out of their their visit to your uh, your stand or your exhibition or whatever you're doing and you've been able to help them out of a technical solution so um that's what i enjoy doing doing the most really napit over the years we've done all sorts there was one year i was doing about 75 um exhibitions a year so it's always on the road we do trade association events we do um our own napit expos and of which Skullmore take part in and um, and we do the elect shows. We were doing the um, plaza shows, which is the um, theatre and film and TV industry. So for the temporary power, um, because that's a different industry in itself. People go out there and they've got to put up a, a stage or, you know, they're working in the theatre. There's not the time to deal with BS 7671. So there's another code of practice for that, uh, BS 7909, which deals with temporary events. So we um we got involved in that for a number of years. So yeah, it's it's just great fun getting out and meeting people. Yeah. What about challenges? Do, are there any parts which you find quite difficult? Um, personally, myself, not not really. I mean, it's a bit of a challenge always keeping up with the you know ever changing regs. But fortunately, where we're sort of working on them at at committee level, we're getting very familiar with what's happening before it actually comes. You know, the documents get worked on way in advance of when they're actually published. So we get a bit of a heads up of, of what's coming and how we can gear up and prepare for it. And that's sort of one of my things that I try to do is make sure that our events and the presentations we deliver really assist with that CPD of people learning the changes when the, when the regs change, making sure that we've got presentations ready to deliver and let the contractors, you know, get up to speed relatively easily. So we'll be doing all that again. Amendment two is just around the corner and we're, uh, we'll be gearing up to do that. Yeah. Before, before we go, Paul, I want to ask your, um, your, your opinion to anyone watching this who, uh, they're, they're curious about the different routes they can take as an electrician. What would be your advice on on the different paths they could take? Yeah, just to just to go for it, really. If it's something that they're interested in, you know, ask questions, do your research, and you know, don't be afraid to get stuck in because the the job is um sort of the downside for me is I loved being a sparky. I loved being on me tools. But just a natural progression, you know, I moved into management and moved into sort of NAPIT. But, you know, if you love working on your tools and that's what you want to do, that's fine. But if you feel that you've got something to pass on, maybe you'd like to teach students at a college or you'd want to go out and do some assessments and help uh, contractors and, you know, give that advice. Come and work with me at a NAPIT event or something. Then, yeah, get in touch. Go for it. Yeah. And you, they might even see you at one of the events, no doubt. Definitely. Come and say hello. Yeah, not not you're not a difficult one to miss. <laughs> right then, Paul. I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for talking to our audience. And as I've mentioned before on this channel, there are loads more episodes about this job routes for electricians mini series. 
As I said, we'll be talking to domestic installers, commercial, industrial, agricultural, rail, lecturers, so many others. So it's all worth checking out. So please make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification button below. And uh, we'll see you next time. And we'll see you again, Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Cheers.